Hey fam, welcome to the Still Coloring Podcast with Tony Collier. I am your host, Tony Collier, and each series we lean into the stories of women and men that uncover their brokenness and practically show us all how they've rebuilt their lives with hope and grit. Come on, come on, let's lean in. Hey y'all, it's Tony. And I just want to tell you right now that after this episode, when we were recording it, I had to step out of the room, grab a donut to soak up my tears because Beth Redman blew me away. I mean, I have, I currently still have one of those like cry headaches, you know, when you cry too hard and your headache just kind of comes on. It was profound and holy. And one of the things she said in the episode was, I choose to surrender because I, as a human, do not know how to make this better. So I surrender to a God that does. Oh, listen, <laughs> it's just good. We talk about deconstruction in a really honoring and beautiful way. If that's something you're battling with, just know she's got like some grace for you. She's got some scripture for you. She's got some strategy for you. Beth is just a really good worshiper. Not because her and Matt Redman, her husband, and created all the worship songs that we've been singing, but because she chooses to worship God in the secret places. This episode's incredible, y'all. I hope you listen to it. I hope you lean into it. But more than that, I hope you share it so that other people can experience the holiness that is this episode. I'll see you there. Oh, you guys, I'm so excited about this episode of the Still Coloring Podcast. Quick story for you because I love a good story. Me and my sweet daughter and my fine husband, hello, somebody, um, we decided to go to a little ranch a couple of years ago and do a little family vacation with some friends, a lot of new friends. We didn't know nobody there, honestly. <laughs> and um, we're riding some horses, doing our thing. And this was like my first time I think this may have been my first moment like really getting it in on a horse and about five minutes into a conversation with our guest I am weeping on a dang horse in the middle of Colorado of a Colorado Valley and I'm like who is this woman and why am I crying so hard on a horse and I don't even know her and then I go back to our little cabin and I told my husband Sam and I'm like I met this woman named Beth <laughs> and I'm like, she's just, oh my gosh, she's so Holy Spirit filled. She had me crying on a horse. It was crazy in front of all my friends. And he was like, do you know who that is? I was like, I do not. You know, I'm freshly saved out here. And he's like, babe, that is <laughs> Beth Redman. And I was like, I'm supposed to, what? He's like, let me just show you who this woman is. He starts showing me all this stuff. I'm like, this is a legend. Okay, her and her husband, Matt Redmond, have made worship songs that my mom and them was singing, okay? <laughs> and and not only that, that's not the reason why she's so incredible. Like, she is deeply indebted to our Heavenly Father and in a deep and intentional relationship with him. And it exudes out of her pores. And that is why I am on a horse in the middle of a freaking valley crying, <laughs> Because I had an encounter with a woman who loves the Lord, and I'm excited because all of our listeners and watchers get to have an encounter with Miss Beth Redmond today as we talk about worshiping when it hurts. Hey, Beth, how you doing? Well, after that introduction, I'm like, oh my goodness. 
you brought me back to that moment because I was having an encounter meeting you it's like (laughs) we hear all about you and then we get to experience you and you even more beautiful bright amazing bold Mm. all of the things so that was definitely a horse ride for the books and then the thing was like you went exceeding me going to like intermediary advanced I stayed in that baby group the whole week I'm like come back to me no I was like I'm not crying on these little horses no more (laughs) I went to the the advanced group and next thing you know I'm galloping there's <laughs> dust all around me I think I'm Pocahontas but I'm like no more crying yeah. on the horses I'm about yeah. to hit it hard I'm so glad I to have was, you on the podcast yeah. Bad, uh, for so many Thank reasons you. because our listeners are people listeners and watchers on the YouTubes are people that are like hungry they're not trying to play church <laughs> they are ready to heal ready to encounter God in really real ways and so I love having guests where I'm just like, oh, y'all are about to get sucker punched in the face with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be so good. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about having you. Um, for those of you that maybe you're like me and you're like, Beth Redmond, what? Beth and Matt Redmond have created, gosh, so many incredible songs. Um, Dove Award winning. She's got a podcast. She is intentional around her voice and how she's, showed up in this kind of like Christian world that we have. Y'all know it's a bubble and it gets weird and stuff gets a little awkward. Uh, but Beth hadn't succumbed to the celebrityism of what she could succumb to. Um, instead, she has planted real deep and intentional seeds in peoples, in, in communities, in Bible studies. And so I'm just really excited about it. It's just good. The whole thing's so good. Beth, we've been asking this um question to people has there ever been a season in your life you can share whatever it is that you want that you feel good about sharing where you've had to worship through something really hard? Um, can you tell us a little bit about it and what you learned in that season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up and worship was my thing. One of my first memories is just being a little girl and just looking up at the words on the screen and trying my my luck like, at harmonizing and oh. just giving it my whole heart. I mean, I if I was made for anything, I was made for worship. And I remember seeing the names of a husband and wife underneath a song. And I must have been six or seven thinking, I want to do that with my husband when I'm older. And it was like a little like a heart for worship and then a desire to write those songs. And then, oh my goodness, all these years later, I met my husband when I was 19. I was in his worship band. We started writing songs together. I mean, it was such a dream. But then suddenly we had two children. I was 27. We were praying about, should we have uh, like a third child? I mean, you're basically outnumbered, right? So we're like, we need to know this is the Three gets a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, we prayed about it. We were like, let's do it. We're going to have a third child. And then we went for that gender reveal scan and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And Matt and I are in that room. We we are worshippers. We love to write worship songs. We love to lead people. And suddenly we hit this wall and we realize this baby's not going to make it. And we go on to have five more miscarriages. And in that moment, It's not just who is God now, but what does my worship look like when I don't know where God is and I don't know how this is going to end. And we kind of got to, I was about 30 and I still had not been able to have a child after that three-year period. I was just crying out to God and I was going to have this big 30th birthday party. Mm. We'd invited 100 people and I had just had another miscarriage. And we literally sat by the fire the night before the party and we just said, you know what? We need a song to sing right now. 
It wasn't like we got to try and think ourselves positive or we got to get, it was like, who is God right now? God is still on the throne. He is still good. I am perplexed. I'm on the verge of being depressed. But you know what? I know who my God is and I know where he is. And in that moment, we started to write different songs. And by the fire, we wrote this song called You Never Let Go. We ended up singing it over a hundred guests the next day at the party in the middle of our circumstances. And then we went on to watch that song really go around the world and minister to people who were also standing by the graveside and in that moment in a hospital room, not knowing what was going to happen. And I feel like that's when my worship changed, that I realized it is not dependent on my joy and my circumstances. It all hangs on my God. And He is the same before, during, and after. And there's a lot of things I don't know in grief. There's a lot of things I don't know in waiting periods, but what I do know is God is good. And I love that Psalm, I think it's Psalm 62, 7, where it says, from the ends of the earth will I cry unto you as my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that is what happens when we worship in the midst of our pain. We go higher. Beth. Everyone listening right now is like, oh, well, Tony surely was not lying about Beth. I tried to tell y'all. I gotta, I'm going to collect myself. I'm like, we, we could just end it. We can end the podcast right now because it that was. Should we go home? Okay. Should we just wrap it up? Okay. Let me just, for the person whose kid screaming in the background and you missed half the story and, or you're driving and you got cut off and all the things, I. I just want to rewind and I want to first acknowledge the pain that is losing one child. And Beth, you and Matt lost multiple. I did not know that part of y'all's story. And I, I really honestly can't even contain or put into words the grit and valor, as our friend Christy Knuckles says, that it would have taken to still worship an unseen God after loss, after loss, after loss. And I just can only imagine the person listening and watching who's like, that was me. Loss, after loss, after loss, after loss. And I just wonder... Beth, what was it? What were the things around you that gave you the fortitude to still worship? It was it just in you? <laughs> I mean, I just wonder how you could provide some guidance to the person that's like, well, the losses took me out. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't worship. What what, what was there for you in those moments that made you guys keep worshiping? I mean, I think that I had this unbelievable privilege of growing up in a wonderful church and God built a rock in my life. He built a rock. I didn't build that rock. I grew up and I was taught who God was and I believed it my whole life. And in that moment, I felt a bit like Mary and Martha, which like up to Lazarus getting sick and Jesus not showing, they knew, they knew, they knew who he was. Yeah. And that horrible moment 
where they waited and time passed and he didn't come. They had to lean into everything I knew. Yep. And I got to start to lean on that rock, on what I know to be true, which is faith. And it's not living by sight. It's not looking around going, he didn't come. He didn't save that baby. He didn't stop it happening. But he was there and mm. he was coming and he is coming and he's going to come again. Mm. And the things that are not redeemed, we can't reconcile on this earth like mm. loss. Yeah. We lean on the rock. Yeah. And it's only faith. It's not positive thinking. Yes, it's not passivity either. You do things. Sometimes you force yourself to get dressed. And other times you phone a friend and say, get me out of this house. It's been three days. Yeah. And you lean on community, but more than anything, you lean on the rock. And that's what I love about that psalm. I, I quoted it earlier. It was actually Psalm 61, 2 to 4. And I love it. It says, um, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge. So it's, it's talking about his past. Yeah. Like I, could, I can say your track record is good, Lord. You have been a strong tower against the foe. And I long to dwell in your tent and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. So it speaks about a prior and it speaks about a coming rest. And they're, they're, they are able to lean on the rock because they know who God is. And that's what that moment was. It was a sitting by the fire, making a decision. I don't want to be somebody who ruins my life with bitterness or ruins my life saying, well, what would have been or living in regret? There comes a point where as believers, God gives us this gift where we get to lament, which is mm. not, you know, rage at God, yeah. but it's cry with him. Yeah. And just say, God, I don't know why and I don't know how, but Job and David and Habakkuk, they teach us that we can look God in the eye and say, excuse me, why? Hello. <laughs> but also press in and yeah. worship. Oh. And he's always at the end waiting for us. Mm. Always. Let's talk about the gift of lament. You said that it was a gift. How is lament a gift? Well, I don't know about your theology, but I just grew up wanting to be, I just want to be good. I'm like, just, you know, don't want to cause any trouble. Don't worry about me, God. Oh, I, I wish you. I had We're that gift. <laughs> well, I was like, everything set it on fire. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, I was naughty also, but with God, I was always like, I'm not mad with you. Everything's oh, good with yep. us. You got no worries with me. And then suddenly I found myself so mad and confused. Mm. And I just, I love the book of Habakkuk because yeah. he loves God, yeah. but he's also got some big questions of God. And we learn this language of lament, which is asking God, crying out to him. In the Psalms, it talks oh. about being distressed, being overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. Flooding being your bed with tears. Besieged with, yeah, yeah, can't even sleep. You know, his, yeah. his pillow is full of tears, you know. And we take those emotions and those questions and we take them towards God, not away from God. And we look around and we're distressed. We look within and we're depressed. We look to God and we lament. And in that, there is actually rest. And what Habakkuk did was he said, God, I've got some questions, but he also expected that even in those questions, I believe my God's going to speak. And so chapter three of a three chapter book is just one long song of praise. So I think Habakkuk teach us, teaches us that there's life, the other side of lament. 
Hey, you guys, I'm just pausing the podcast real quick because one of the things that's super important to me is that we raise up a generation who can hold their real big feelings, who can stare insecurity in the face and say, you do not get to run my life. And I think the only way for us to do that is to be able to look our babies in the eyes, our nieces and nephews, our small little cousins, our siblings in the eyes and tell them your feelings matter. So you may have seen this announcement already, but I just wanted to come on here and tell my podcast family that I have officially launched my very first kid's book. It's called Broken Crayon Still Color. Y'all, it's a story of a little girl named Avery, and she's processing through all these big feelings, and her little bitty crayon friends help her do it, y'all. It is beautiful. The book is intricately put together with kids in mind, but also it's practical. There's guidance there for parents and caregivers and grandmamas and aunties and all the people so they can help the kids in their lives process their big feelings and live a life on the offense and not the defense. Many of us are in counseling. Many of us are in deep community trying to figure out what happened when we were kids. Why didn't we address these things early on? And so I have prayerfully worked real hard to create something so good for your littles. There's even a color wheel in the back so that your kids could start processing how to name their feelings. It is just a real good resource. I want to encourage you right now, buy these books. Buy them for your kids. Buy them for your nieces and nephews, your little cousins and them. Buy it for kids that go to your schools. I mean, if you're a teacher, get it for your classroom. It's just a great resource. It's called Broken Crayons Still Color, and you can go to TonyJCollier.com backslash crayons to pick it up, or even Amazon, local bookstores, anywhere that books are sold. This cutie little book will be in there. I hope you get it. Love y'all. I'm now we can't explain all the phenomenons of the church and what has and the and the cadence of Christianity that has happened, but I think we can maybe make some assumptions. What do you think happened to uh, this generation of believers who we we don't want we we want everything to go perfect. We want all of the the great things in life. We're upset with God when something goes bad. We're going to deconstruct our faith because we're like, no, it's just there's too much suffering. There's too much pain. What did the enemy do to have us think that lament wasn't a part of our walk? What do you think threatens our ability to suffer well and to worship even when it hurts? I mean, I think you said it yourself, you know, that that desire not to struggle, mm. that struggle means life is bad or not fair. But mm. on the other side of struggle is character, is growth, is all the things that suffering says, that it's called suffering, struggling. It actually says that that can produce something, that that's not an ineffective season, that your struggle, if you will stay in it and with it and not abandon it and wait in it, can produce character, perseverance, yeah. hope. I mean, endurance, all of the things. But I think you're right. I think this generation have said, we don't want to do that. And there's actually nothing wrong with being disillusioned. That that is something that if you can sit in being disillusioned, it can actually propel you towards God. Whereas if we start deconstructing our faith, we go, yeah, no thanks, that's too hard. Well, that's another instant fix. 
I would encourage people just to stay in the tension and wait on God. And you look at Jesus, he was willing to stay 40 days and 40 nights, not just in the presence of the enemy, in the company of the enemy, taunting and persecuting. And he stood his ground. He quoted the word of God because he knew the word of God. He hid the word of God in his heart. Mm. And I would say in times of struggle and disturbance and frustration, learn the word. It will become your weapon. And through your frustration, you will become the entrepreneur of your dreams. I mean, the qualities that young people can grow in the struggle can make them some of the most successful people on this planet. So don't resist it or give in to it. Embrace the struggle. Mm. I love the idea of embracing struggle because there's almost like this It's kind of almost like living on the offense, not the defense in the way that if we can expect that things are going to get hard, I think we could at least like brace for impact. And I don't think we brace for impact using our own gifts and talents. We say, Lord, I know this life is hard. I know when I walk outside this door or outside of the comforts of a personal prayer life and space with you, it's going to be a little ratchet and people are going to be a little (laughs) crazy and they're not going to be you, God, because they weren't designed to be perfect like you yet and and so i i think when we can embrace it what i hear you saying is that we can almost prepare our tender hearts for when it does get hard and to have a battle plan and i feel like we're just flailing around like i just don't know who told people that this was going to be easy i don't know what had happened and i don't know if it's just you know us and technology and the media and how things are kind of fashioned but somewhere along the way I just we've gotten so fragile in so many ways and I think I'm I'm ready for a church and a generation who I don't know who just decides to lean into pain to lean into the heart mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. I'm going to be prepared for this because this is not the end for me there's Eden waiting on the other side mm-hmm. of all of this mm-hmm. and for now I'm okay with the suffering because I know it won't last always. Um, yes. I think that's all. That's that's my, that's like my whole, I feel like that's kind of like my whole brand, right? I'm like, just like pressing the pain, mm-hmm. embrace the hard yes. things, talk about the things, let's talk about worship, um, all the things. Okay, o- outside of just tapping into worship, what are some other things that you have done when you've been in the valleys that has just been so good for you? Some practical things? Is it inviting people in? Is it going back to the church? What have been some really practical things for you? Practically, I mean, I think the best thing for pain is the church. The best thing for church hurt is the church. You know, we were not made for isolation. You look in the Garden of Eden, what did they want to do in that that moment was hide from God and separate from one another. And I know in my own pain, my first worst instinct is to stay where I am and almost be by myself. And that has never got me better. It's only ever got me worse. And I remember when I moved to California in 2016, I mean, didn't know really know a soul didn't even really know why we were there and I found myself just falling into such a place of loneliness and you know everybody wants a sense of purpose and I just was like god I'm here by myself and I felt like God said but you are the answer to your problem 
And I just felt him say, open your front door and invite the people around you in. And there were some young girls around me and I was like, hey, do you want to come in? And I would invite them once a week. Sometimes they wouldn't show up. Sometimes they would. They would bring a friend. Well, seven years later, we're still meeting around the table. We've obviously grown in size. Other people are hosting. And we would literally go around the table. I'd have a meal, be like, how did you see God today? Tell me something good in your life. Tell me something hard in your life and tell me how you're doing now. And we would just check the spiritual temperature of the room. And I'm telling you, it was so life-giving. No matter what was going on in my week, I was never alone. I always knew I've got Monday coming. I've got community coming. I've got relationships coming. And I've got someone coming to ask me, how are you doing? What's good in your life? What's hard in your life? How can I pray for you now? And it was like streams of living water flowing and I was the answer to my own problem open up your home and something else I love to do practical is just reading and learning I'm like if we're going to be here I want to be the best version of myself yeah and I love reading and learning reading with other people what you read listen to podcasts and listen to audiobooks so what you're doing Tony Mm. I mean you are accompanying people on a journey where today you might be the only voice in their ear and you're a voice of salt and light and truth and Mm. joy and passion all of the things and this would have started you're probably the answer to your own problem yeah. like hold on who's talking about pain wait <laughs> you know so often oh, we can good. be the resolution mm. to what's missing in our in the in our lives so. oh there's so much depth here i want to unpack it a little bit i the first thing that you said that oh my goodness like we have women that have been in our course groups and one of the things we talk about all the time when it comes to healing pressing into pain is you got to get some people that can see you in the depths of your pain you got to get some people who can remind you that Jesus has sent people to be with you and they're not going to leave the room and we get all the time like well I just I mean I try to join a small group at church and those people weren't like me and this and that and it's that you are looking at the answer that you need and it's you you're looking in the mirror at yourself and I think some people are so afraid of rejection I think of people saying no and not coming in and it only being the one person that they never jump out there and become their own solution and I think what that says is a whole bunch it's that you really there's God's equipped you right like there's something so sweet about you being the answer Beth that all along, God had given you everything that you needed it within you because he's in you. And yeah. so I just love that that's a part of your story. And I want to encourage someone listening and watching today. Like, you just never know. Like the thing that's breaking your heart, the thing that's been so hard to to deal with and process through could be um, living on the inside of you, the solution, which is is really, really good. I also love the the fact that you said that the church is still the solution. I I thoroughly do believe, and I'm standing on that, my word that the church is like God's plan A, like to redeem humanity. Like he sent yeah. Jesus to equip his church, lit that sucker on fire and ax and blew a fresh wind on his people to build it. But it's not just the four walls. It's the church living on the inside of every one of us coming around tables and being Jesus for people as well. Um, there's power in corporate worship and there's also power in communal gathering in your home. And I just love that for seven years you have done that. 
you have like been, you know, I'm in a confessional community with a lot of our friends. We are in like this little small group, you know, and we meet for once a month for three hours and we do this. We ask like, what are you grieving? What are you longing for? And there's something about that, right, Beth? Like something about someone coming for you and you know they're on the way. It, It feels like, oh, this is the kind of human form of who God is that he's coming for you. He's always on the way. And so I just hope that someone listening heard all of that and that you fully understand that you have the power to change your circumstances with God living on the inside of you and that the church and community is still God's plan A. And I think, oh, that's so good, Beth. Mm-hmm. Um, What would you say to someone we're gonna, we're just gonna go there, okay? Because this is my podcast, and I got the mic, okay? Um, I'm in charge. <laughs> what would you say to someone who is considering, or maybe in the middle of deconstructing? Because I'm assuming with an audience like mine, I I do have people that are just on the fence, that they're just questioning God. There's doubt there. They're leaning in. They're leaning out. They've kind of turned from the church. They're finding looking for other resources. What encouragement would you give to them now? I mean, I would say if you look at Psalm 22, Mm. Psalm 44, Psalm 88, you've always almost got a man on the edge of deconstructing his faith because he has had some major questions that he's need to ask of God, which again is lament. But he has gone towards God with those questions and they're uncomfortable and they're hard. There's a set of circumstances. You're like, God, really? Yeah. But he has gone towards them. And I would say deconstructing is when you start to say, you know what? I don't know if God really did create the world. And I don't really know if a good God would allow evil. That's when you really are stepping away from that place of faith. And that can be a really dark place because I believe that's when the enemy wants to start to deceive and tempt and come up with other ideas that maybe fit your idea of what is right. And in that moment, you're very susceptible to doubt and unbelief and temptation. So I would say in that deconstructing with those very real whys and questions, I would say find someone sound. And I I wonder if even now you'll know who that is. You say, do you know what? I think I know who that is. Find Mm. someone safe and someone sound. And you say, can anything be on the table? Can I ask anything? And, you know, we have this course in England called the Alpha Course. It's actually all around the world. We use it. Millions and millions and millions of people now around the world. And it's a ton of people who are new to faith. It's also a ton of people who've hit a roadblock and they are deconstructing their faith. But they have found some safe and sound people to do that with. So we don't shame. We don't say, oh, that's wrong of you. We say we get it. We get the word why is all throughout scripture. But I'd say ask it with people who are not also deconstructing because I am telling you that is not a safe friendship for someone teetering on the edge. Just find somebody who loves you and is safe and sound and will walk with you in those very real questions. And so practically that might be going online and be like, where's an alpha course in my zip code? Yeah. Where's, is, where's the safe and sound person in my in my, so my, my contacts? And just find them and say, can I ask anything right now? Because I'm just not sure who God is. Mm. I have never heard that answer before. That is so wise. And I honestly, I don't even know why I asked that question. 
it wasn't on my list, but maybe there's just someone listening right now that is just teetering. They're just like, I don't know. This is too hard. The suffering's been too great. The pain's been too great. I'm disappointed. I've been let down, I feel like. And to say, okay, like to find someone that's like, yeah, that makes sense. This world is dark. Yeah, sure. Let me walk with you through this. Like, that's profound. And I I kind of sort of think that's what God would do. I think if you you went to him and you said, if we had access to God, I feel like like in the here and now, as Adam and Eve did, I just feel like he'd be like, like if Eve would have went to him and said, are you withholding something from us? Don't you think he would have been like, oh no, let me show you what I'm actually doing. Right? Yes. Like yes, I feel like he would have so wanted good. that for us. Yes. <gasps> yeah. I just thought yeah, about absolutely. That. And you think like an atheist or an agnostic. Yeah. They're going to say, you know, God's not for me because if God is good, why is there evil? But someone who is deconstructing isn't saying that. Yeah. A lot of their time they're saying, if God is good, then why do bad things happen to God's people? Like that's a problem, that problem of pain. And even if you look in the book of Habakkuk today or Habakkuk, if that is you, you see a man who's perplexed and anxious about what is going on in the world. It's changed from the place he was brought up in. And he's like, God, are you listening? Are you watching? You know, even when we think about the school shootings that have happened, you say, God, are you, are you listening? Are you watching? Yeah. That can be that pain point. We mm. say, this is too much. Yep. Like how can there be a good God and there be pain? But as you lean in and you ask those questions, God is not afraid of those questions. He's not afraid of your pain and he will meet you where you're at. And when we look in the word of God, we see he continually speaks. He is still speaking through his Holy Spirit and he goes after the one. He'll leave the 99 because the problem of pain is a problem to God. And I believe that he is pursuing his people who are hurting today. Oh, but I got an announcement for you that you are going to want to peel your ears open. It's going to be shocking because it's pretty shocking myself. I get to partner with my girls, Lisa Whittle and Jamie Ivey, for eight days as we explore the land of the Bible, y'all. We're going to be walking where Jesus walked. We're going to visit sites from scripture and experience the vibrant culture and enjoy laughter and community in the holy land. And here's what's crazy. It ain't just going to be the three of us because you are officially invited to come with me, Lisa Whittle, and Jamie Ivey to experience the Holy Land. Can you even believe it? Oh, my God. (gasps) This special trip is open to men and women, young and old. And honestly, the company that we're going through, y'all, it's like high-end boutique experience. But even more than that, this trip is going to awaken your heart, your mind, And it's going to be so sacred, y'all. Me and Jamie and Lisa, we're going to be bringing some powerful teachings to you. We're going to grow deeper. Y'all know we're going to have a fun time, okay? It is going to be a party for Jesus, of course. And we're also going to embrace the hard and holy parts of our own stories. It's just going to be special. We're going to the Holy Land June 17th through the 25th, 2024. And I can't even describe how 
many cities, places. We are going on this amazing journey. So what I want you to do is head to the website, premierisrael.com backslash holy land. Okay. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. Premier Israel, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, Israel.com backslash Holy Land. All the details are there. Make sure you grab your tickets, y'all, because we can't take everybody and all your mom and them, okay? It's in a limited trip, high-end boutique all the way to the Holy Land, and you're just not going to want to miss it. It's going to be the time of our lives. I know it, and Jesus is going to meet us there. PremierIsrael.com backslash Holy Land. See y'all there. Okay, last question. Oh, if you could sit with someone, which I'm sure you have. This is what's kind of cool about this question. I'm, I'm sure you've sat with someone across the table at for coffee that's like, Beth, I am hurting. I j- I'm at the end. I, I'm having a real rough time right now, and I love God, and I'm trying to do my best. Um, what kind of advice would you give them to keep pressing into worshiping even when it hurts really, really bad. Mm. Well, if it's okay, I'm going to get personal. Oh, come on. I'm going to tell you about my son. I've got a 14-year-old son called Jackson. You've met him. Um, He's my little buddy. So I'm going to talk about him because we just had this conversation. So May the 2nd, 2022, Jackson had to have this massive spine surgery. It was a a T2 to L4, so it's a total spine surgery, two titanium rods, 19 screws. And in that first few days of recovery, he got a staph infection. We call it MRSA in England. And it ravaged his body and went into his blood, into his metal. And um, he was incredibly ill for a whole year. He had to have three plastic surgeries. They all failed. He had to have a pump, a wound vac, a pick line to his heart. I mean, one year of being prayed for in physical, emotional, mental pain. After about three months of being prayed for, I was like, I would say we should stop praying for I think because although I don't like God's methods, (laughs) I trust his heart. Mm. I trust his heart. And I think he's going to let me go through this. He's not going to take me out of this. But he had a really hard time because of his pain. He's Mm. like, God, you're allowing this. This isn't getting better. Mm. And he asked if he could stop going to church. I I was like, I don't, I think we need to speak to a supervisor. I'm not sure about this. (laughs) I think we need to keep press on. Uh -uh. He says, Mum, it's it's painful to sit in the chair in the chair. It's embarrassing for everyone to look at me. And I'm really, really struggling to show up. And so you know that moment where you and me, we can't make it all right for our friend who's struggling. Mm. We can't make it all right for our kids who are struggling. And that's the point where you go, do you know what, God, I surrender Mm. because I don't know how to make this better. Mm. And just kept praying for him and not even knowing the words, just kept praying for him. He turned around to me, said, Mom, I'd like to go to worship night on Monday. I think that's where I'm going to go. So, okay, we'll take you to worship night on Monday. He started to go to worship night. He'd stand at the back. He's got his machine. He's got his tubes. He's got his thing. He's got his pain. And he just stood in the presence of God, and his body never got better. Mm. But his soul started to heal, and it started to become much less about what was happening to him and much more about who who he was sure God Mm. was. So listen, I like to talk. I hate when people are struggling. I want to make it okay. I want to make it okay for my kids. I want to make it okay for my friends. 
who right now are on the precipice of walking away from God. But you know, the best gift we can give our kids, our friends, is to stop talking and lament and say, Mm. God, I don't know why, why you're not stopping this, but I know you are faithful. I know you are good. I know that I can rely on you to hear me. And I'm going to lift up their name to the greatest name. And I'm going to say, I trust you with Jackson. And as I stepped back, he just kept showing up to worship night and he would come back like his glass was bursting over and he didn't even really notice the tubes. Well, you know, we are 14 months on and that boy still has a hole in his back. And he still has a medical condition that right now is not getting fixed. But one thing that my God has given him that no enemy, no sickness, no nothing can take away is a kid who says, yet I will worship. And so I would encourage anyone, go find the book of Habakkuk. Look at chapter three. He is so sure that God's on the scene in midst of all the things he doesn't understand, that he says, though, the fig tree doesn't bud. You know, he lists all the things. Yeah. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe yeah. it is, though I can't make the payments, though I'm, I didn't get custody of my kids, though the cancer didn't get healed. I don't know what it is. But Habakkuk decided in that moment, yet I will praise him. And I'm telling you, there is life and there is healing and there is power in the soul who will not stop worshipping. Can you pray for us, Beth? Yeah, absolutely, Jesus. I thank you that you are here. God, in every person's home, in their car, whatever they're doing, Holy Spirit, you are close. And I just pray that as we exit this podcast, that we would just go find a song that lifts us to that place of praise. God, I thank you for Psalm 61. God, I thank you that from the ends of the earth, when your people cry out to you, your Holy Spirit leads us to a rock, to a perspective, to a place place of peace that is higher than I. And God, I pray for Tony as she is leading a multitude of men and women to your truth. God, I pray you would strengthen her, increase her influence, increase your providence and increase your peace on her life in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Whoa. Okay. I've cried all of my makeup off. Beth, I... No words. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me, friend. Hey, fam. I just wanted to thank you so much for listening to the Still Coloring Podcast. It's produced by me, your host, Tony Collier, and edited by Robert Elkins. The music is by my sweet husband, Sam Collier, lead pastor of Story Church. The artwork, all of the graphics and beautiful things you see marketing the podcast are by my good friend, Natalie Maxi of Nueva Creative. The show note illustrations, which you have to download on my site, are by Emily Mills of Sketch Academy. And if you love listening to the podcast, let me just tell you right now, you're going to really love watching the episodes. Head on over to my YouTube channel at Tony J. Collier and check out the full episodes from top to bottom edited by my good friend, Kendall Patterson of Lovely 
House Media. And I want to remind you of this. You can heal and find hope and grit right in the middle of your valley. Love you.